Welcome again to Transformation Church. If it's your first uh, time here, you came on a good Sunday because there's hot dogs afterward. Um, and uh, you also caught us at a time where our, our lead pastor, Nathan Maskery, is away for the month. So he's in, his, in New Brunswick visiting his family. And we expect him back uh, early September. I wonder, i to open my book here. I wonder if you have cried out to God for help for years. If you have ever felt like those answers come slowly. Like perhaps God doesn't answer you. I wonder maybe even if you have chosen not to believe in God because, as you would say, he's made your life too hard. I wonder if you have tried to get near God, closer to questions closer to answers and questions that you have that are possible, impossible to understand. I have asked those questions. I'm going to start this morning by uh, sharing a really silly story with you, hopefully with some sort of value to its uh, meaning. A fellow was stuck on his rooftop in a flood. He was praying to God for help. Soon a man in a rowboat came by, And the fellow shouted to the man on the roof, Jump in, I can save you. The stranded fellow shouted back, No, it's okay, I'm praying to God, and he is going to save me. So the rowboat went on. Then a motorboat came by. The fellow in the motorboat shouted, Jump in, I can save you. To this the stranded man said, No thanks, I'm praying to God, and he is going to save me. I have faith. So... The motorboat went on. Then a helicopter came by, and the pilot shouted down, Grab this rope, and I will lift you to safety. To this, the stranded man again replied, No thanks, I'm praying to God, and he is going to save me. I have faith. So the helicopter reluctantly flew away. Soon the water rose above the rooftop, and the man drowned. He went to heaven. He finally got his chance to discuss this whole situation with God, at which point he exclaimed, I had faith in you, but you didn't save me. You let me drown. I don't understand why. To this God replied, I sent you a rowboat and a motorboat and a helicopter. What more did you expect? Have you ever been like that guy? I wonder if a bunch of us today feel like we're standing on the top of the house with water coming in all around us. We're calling out to God and we don't see any helicopters or rowboats or motorboats. I've observed this ache inside of me. This deep ache, I think, is felt by every person here. This deep ache gets asked in many different ways. God, why do I struggle with this sin? God, why do I struggle with this insecurity? God, why do I struggle to feel close to you? Why does my family member struggle with addiction? God, give me more of you. God, bring revival. God, our country is in a mess. Help us. 
God, why did this terrible pain happen to those people? Have you ever felt that way? Felt that ache inside of you? It's like there's this thing in every one of us, this thing that we need and we want and we ache for it, but it's so hard to get it. I wonder how many of us, if we could, if Jesus was here in visible form in front of you, if you would want to have a conversation about some difficult things in your life. And, like all good Christians, we say God is near. We read on the pages of Scripture, God is near. Jesus promises us that in Matthew. Behold, I am with you always and I will never leave you. In this ache, I've wondered, and I think, I can be like that man on the top of the roof calling out to God, that God isn't providing the answer like I think. And in this wrestle, I think some of us try harder, we pray more, we do more, we keep faith, we trust. Others, others of us succumb to this. We feel it's crushing. We barely keep our head above the water. And still others of us choose not to believe in God at all. We allow the questions and difficulty of life to block out God. And then in all of this, we kind of grope forward with some longing, aching, hoping, and wishing. Now today I'm not here to suggest or tell you how to get rid of that ache. I think it's part of the human condition. I don't know, maybe it keeps us humble. But I am suggesting that maybe we miss some things that God is up to in our lives. And if you've got a Bible today, I'm going to take us to Genesis chapter 27 and 28. And I'm just going to summarize chapter 27 for you. And then we're going to read from Genesis chapter 28 verse 10. So, if we were to look in Genesis 27, we meet this family. It's Isaac, Rebekah, and their two sons, Jacob and Esau. Actually, I should say Esau and Jacob, because Esau is the elder of the two. Now, this family, I find, has some things about them that make them feel pretty real and pretty close to things that a lot of us face. Their family was somewhat dysfunctional. From the very beginning, there had been a word to the mom that the younger of the two sons would end up ruling and being the leader. At birth, the younger son grasped the heel of the older son on the way out, and so he was given the name Jacob, which means, among other things, um, deceiver, grasp the heel, take advantage of. At this time in the story in Genesis 27, the dad, Isaac, is growing old. And he can't see very well anymore. Now in that culture at that time, when you grew old and you were about to die, you would always bless your eldest son. And he would get, like, the majority of the blessing. Now the blessing was a big deal. It kind of affected the whole trajectory of your life. <clears throat> so one day... Uh, 
Isaac calls his favorite son, oh, by the way, the dysfunction I was speaking of. Unfortunately, Isaac had his favorite and Rebecca had her favorite. So Isaac's favorite was Esau and Rebecca's was Jacob. So anyway, Isaac's getting old and he decides it's time to uh, bless his son Esau. So he calls Esau and he says, hey, uh, you should go out into the bush and you should shoot, shoot an animal and cook it up the way I always like it and uh, bring it back and I'll bless you. I don't know why this wasn't a family discussion, but uh, the mom's there listening. And so she goes to Jacob and says, hey, I heard that your dad just sent Esau out to the bush, so I think you should go uh, kill two goats, I'll cook them up nice, and then you go in and get the blessing. Like, just trick, trick your dad. And he's like, well, I'm a bit nervous about that because if I do, we all know Esau's hairy and I'm not. Like, he's going to touch me and then everything's going to get found out. She's like, I, I got this figured out, don't worry. So anyway, uh, they go ahead with their plan and the mom takes goat hair and puts it on the back of Jacob's neck and on his hands. And Jacob goes into his dad and says, hey dad, I, uh, I got the food here already. And his dad is feeling suspicious right from get-go. He's like, uh, well, how'd you get it so fast? And being a good Christian boy, he was, he was a man actually. He was like, oh, God gave it to me real fast. <laughs> what a liar, eh? And then, uh, and then his dad is still suspicious. He's like, hey, you should, you should come closer. And so he comes closer and he, he feels him. He's like, man, it feels like Esau. But the voice sure sounds like Jacob. And Jacob's like, it's Esau, it's Esau. Just convincing him the whole time. And long story short, his dad ends up blessing Jacob instead of Esau. Of course, Esau comes back from the hunt. And of course, Esau has food to give his dad. And Esau is furious about it. And he makes a promise to himself that he's going to kill his brother Jacob. So to get Jacob out of town, uh, the mom concocts a plan to send Jacob off to get married in a, in a town about a thousand kilometers away. So they go to uh, the dad and say, hey, we should uh, get him a good wife out of the town a thousand kilometers away. It's really important values to us. So under that guise, they send him off to this town to go find a wife. And it's on this journey that I'm going to read this story from Genesis chapter 28. So Jacob's life is in a bit of a disaster and he's headed off to look for a wife. He's really just running for his life. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. 
he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. I gave you all the context to that short story because I wanted us to feel that Jacob's life wasn't any more put together than, put together than our own. And Jacob here, while he's fleeing for his life under the guise of looking for a wife, has an encounter with God. And after that encounter with God where he sees this ladder up to heaven and he sees God up, up on his throne in heaven, he says, God is in this place and I didn't even know it. And that's the reason, that line there, God is in this place and I didn't even know it, is the reason that I chose that story. Do you know that God is in this place? In the place that you live, work? Do I? For the longest time, I would say that I have missed it. I've been on the roof crying out to God when actually God is nearer and more beautiful than I ever gave him credit. That was until something, what I would call, very ordinary happened. Until my mother-in-law gave me an ordinary book, written by an ordinary person. Until I, until I started the ordinary practice of reading that book. In this book, the author Anne Voskamp details her own journey through finding the ordinary to be extraordinary. She shares how she began to choose to notice the good things around her and then wrote those things down. I've always kind of struggled with that idea, this idea that a list of gratitude or a positive list is meant to outweigh the balance of the bad things. But no, that's not what this was. And details how she started to number these things. One, two, three adding and adding till she reached over 1,000. And so I started this. I bought a journal and I began to really notice the ordinary things around me. For example, the exquisite bird out front, the scented lilac, the robust, healthy plants in our window, the conversations with my wife and kids, the mint chocolate chip ice cream, the car repairs, the groceries, the ability that I, that I have to walk and run. What if in front of us, all day, every day, something divine is happening? Each breath, each human interaction, each blade of grass, each cloud, each sun ray, each dish soap bubble, each invention, the creativity, the ingenuity that we see and experience. And so I tried this, and I brought my book with me here. And if you were to open my book, you would see that I've counted up now to 224. And I'm sharing this because it actually did change my life. I had thought that God didn't answer a lot of things. 
But when I started this practice, I began to see his care around me more, everywhere. His blessing of us, his loving of us. It's almost like I was too busy looking at all the trouble, all the dysfunction, to really even notice. But now I find myself slowly learning to see God. Not just being positive, or not even just grateful, actually seeing God. We don't deserve these good gifts that we experience every day from God. They're gifts that he gives because he loves us and he cares about us. I think I have begun to feel a bit like Jacob. Like God peeled back the layer, that curtain on my own blindness. That like Jacob, I can start to say, God is in this place and I never even knew it. And now, my life is richer, not because it's changed, but because I have changed. I'm starting to notice things. Like, what a gift that conversation is I had with my wife. This amazing thing that, through conversation, our relationship can become closer. Returning to my mint chocolate chip ice cream. What a miracle that God designs in my taste buds this ability to have an explosion of taste in the mint chocolate chip ice cream. And once again, like Jacob, I would say, God is in this place, and I never even knew it. And so I challenge us to become people who notice and count the gifts so that we can connect with the giver, God. You want your life to change? What if... What if we became a people who took time to see God in the gifts and to see the normal as divine? Imagine the gifts never running out, this list stretching on for a lifetime, hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of gifts. Imagine the wonderful sense of gratitude that we could all carry as a community of Jesus' followers. So maybe God is nearer than we even give him credit. Maybe we often miss the boat and the helicopter. Maybe we can learn to notice God is in this place, and I didn't even know it. I'm going to call the worship team at this time. And I'm just going to, if you just bow your head with me, let's just pray. Father, I I thank you for the gifts that you have given us. Even as we sit in this setting, what you've given us today is truly a miracle. God, I pray not only that we would say thank you for things, but that through seeing these things and through reflecting on them, we could connect with you, God, as our creator and as our maker. I pray, Lord, that we would treasure you, And maybe today there's someone here today that doesn't know Jesus as Lord and Savior. That Jesus as Lord and Savior is the biggest gift that we have. And if that's you today, then I just, as an encouragement, just reach out in the bottom of your heart and say, Jesus, I want to know you. Teach me your ways. Cleanse my heart. Perhaps some of us today have gone through our lives missing the beauty 
of what God has given and focusing ourselves on the dysfunction. Maybe today we can say, God, forgive us for becoming so connected to all the problem and missing the gifts that you give every day. Father, be merciful to us. Show us your grace and glory. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.